Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Matt Scalisi, and we are here on a Tuesday morning to get into one of the big stories that's uh, that's dominating the headlines in the SEC, as we do every week here on First Down South. I am joined by my co-hosts, uh, two of the best reporters covering the SEC today. That would be Matt Zenitz and John Talty. And uh, guys, there's you know we're deep into May. There's other sports that that really I think are getting a lot more airtime right now. But in terms of college football, there's a lot going on, and, and we know that college football in this part of the country, uh, uh, it doesn't take a lot for them to take over the headlines and become the top story down here. But uh, I mean, the the transfer market has obviously been something we've talked about on this show already. It's been a big part of this offseason. It's a continuing story. It is fascinating to me that we're this deep into the offseason. We're we're to me at this point it feels like we're closer you know we're we're getting closer to to you know talking about fall camp and getting ready for the real season and yet there's still so much work being done to shape rosters for the fall and uh and you know i i think the big name that we're all talking about around the conference this week is TJ Finley the former LSU quarterback who is transferring uh, looking at several different schools, but uh, John, I want to I want to bring this up with you first. This is this is a weird time uh, to be continuing to court and and discuss bringing a new quarterback into your program who would be immediately eligible. You know, and we're and we're talking we're talking about the seasons a few months away at this point. I mean, that talk about shaping your roster late. I mean, there's nothing you could do to have a, a greater impact on your on your season than bringing in a new starting quarterback, potentially? Well, I mean, first off, I think that's a big jump to say they're potentially bringing a new starting quarterback. We'll get there in a second. But okay. <laughs> I think, let's look at it this way. You can, A, there's, 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 there's a lot going on here. First off, not to go too deep into this, transfer market has changed everything. We've seen it in basketball for a while now. We're seeing it in football. If everybody's getting free transfers, it's going to change the way we do things. Second part of this, if you look at it like, all right, they just went through spring practice. They saw what their strengths were. They saw what their weaknesses were. So it actually in some ways makes a lot of sense to say, okay, we don't have anyone on the roster right now who can challenge Bo. Why don't we go out and potentially get that guy? And that could be TJ Finley. You know, that could be one possible answer as to why you know he ends up at Auburn. But it is weird, but I just think it's it's different. I mean, we talked about it in previous shows of Alabama. All right, they identified some things that were not a strength. You know, we needed a speedy receiver, so they go out and get that. And I think that's what you're going to see the top teams be able to do. And it's happened in the past as well. This isn't completely a new phenomenon, but I think you'll see more of it with just the transfers that are happening. And so I think with Finley, that's kind of where it checks out is that you've seen, you know, A, he started games in the SEC last year, so there's talent there. But B, you know, all these schools have gone to their spring practice and they know what they have and what they don't have. And there's value in adding a guy like Finley, who is, you know, a known commodity to some extent at this point. I, I, well, first of all, John, I, I do agree with you. I don't think this guy is, is has an expectation around him that he's going to come in and be a high-level starter for a, a – you know, a major player uh, in the SEC, but you know, we, we because we look as as you said, we look at what he did a year ago. He did get some starting experience, but five touchdowns, five interceptions. He was pretty shaky at times uh, when we saw him in action for LSU. the 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 question then is, if you're TJ Finley, 
why would you transfer out of a situation where you're a backup right now and look at schools where you're you're you've got you're gonna have a really tough time winning a starting job I, I guess I'm a little bit curious about how the math makes sense for him in that in that case instead of let's say dropping down to a a, a smaller conference or, or just a lower level of competition where you can win a starting job well I mean a let's see where he ends up first I think that you know could answer that question uh, but you know if you read our colleague Tom Green had an interview with TJ Finley uh, over the weekend and he says in there basically like if I feel like I can compete against Bo for the starting job then I would potentially go to Auburn so I think he He's smart enough, I think it seems like in his comments, he realizes that like he's not going to go to Auburn unless he thinks he has a shot to beat out Bo. So if he ends up at Auburn, either he's totally misguided and just doesn't realize how entrenched Bo is at that spot, or in some of his comments, I feel like hinted at this, maybe the coaches have indicated to him, this is a little bit more open than maybe you think it is. And like, if you come in and prove you're the best, like this is a meritocracy. We're a new staff. If you're the guy, we'll let you be the guy. So that's, I think, would be a big thing. I mean, at Alabama, it seems Bryce is, again, pretty entrenched in that position. I think Nick Saban has been pretty you know, publicly uh, praising and complimentary of him. So if TJ Finley goes there, you know, again, I would be, it wouldn't necessarily make sense to me because I don't think he's beating out Bryce Young, but maybe he thinks he can. So I think where he actually ends up and what the QB situation is, is there, I think would be very interesting. But at least what he's saying right now is that he has taken that into account in terms of where he goes. I'll I'll leave this to, to either of you, but you know, I, I think TJ Finley's still a, a pretty young guy at this point. He's still relatively early in his career, unlike I think what we've seen traditionally on the tr the transfer market, especially for quarterbacks, you're usually looking at guys who maybe they've got one year left to go and play somewhere, maybe two. Uh, but the, the part of what this this change in the NCAA rules has allowed is guys can have one season at a school and transfer essentially without penalty uh, one time to a different school. And in some ways, I wonder if, if, you know, look, obviously this is just one guy we're talking about, but it's an interesting example of where, of what we could see more of in the transfer market in the future, where it's a guy who kind of had a false start where he first committed and, Maybe you do go. Maybe you do go somewhere where you can't start right away. But it, the, the long term option for you looks better. The, you know, I mean, we'll just bring up Auburn as the example with TJ Finley. I mean, maybe he maybe he sees that situation and says, "Well, maybe I don't beat Bo Nix out this year, but Bo's probably only going to be there one more year, and maybe I've got a good long term future at a program like that." I think that's a fair point. The big thing that I'll say about TJ Finley, if you look at some of the schools that are pursuing him, have been in contact with him, and I, I'll look specifically at the, the two in-state schools with Alabama and Auburn, the, those are programs with guys in the number one role right now. It's going to be very difficult to beat out, but at the same time, there are programs where it's very fair for them to, to have concerns about the depth at the quarterback position and the number two spot. So for Alabama, I, I think that it would be very fair for them to have some concerns if something did happen to Bryce Young it, being left in a position where potentially Paul Tyson could be thrown in there um, based on just spring for him. And then Jalen Milrow, the, the true freshman, did some good things throughout the course of the spring, but at the same time, they may feel like he's not necessarily ready if it came to that. And with TJ Finley, 
you have somebody where, look, comes in and blows the, the doors off and beats out Bryce Young, uh, that then cool from, from their perspective. But at the same time, worst case scenario, you have somebody who can come in, has starting experience in the SEC, and provides additional depth there and alleviate some of the, the concern that would come along with something potentially happening to Bryce Young. And the same thing from Auburn's perspective. Most likely he comes in, especially during the summer. That This isn't him arriving in uh, December or January and having the whole spring to make a move in a competition. This would be somebody coming in during the course of the summer and having a limited window to make an impression during the course of a, a competition. That That's tough, especially when you have an established starter there. I, I would say it's similar to the, the Alabama deal where uh, best case scenario comes in and blows the doors off and uh, beats Bo Nicks out, then cool. But at the same time, the worst case scenario is you, ha- you have somebody with starting experience in the SEC that can come in and provide additional depth. If he's looking for a situation where uh wants to, to start immediately, I would say some of the other schools that he's thrown out, the, the Texases, Texas A&Ms of the world that have lost their starting quarterback from last year uh, and have guys uh, competing right now where don't have a a set starter, that would be a more realistic situation for him in in terms of uh, getting a a job right now. But at the same time, if uh, he's looking at this in terms of being a long-term play, uh, maybe Alabama or Auburn isn't the the worst thing in the world where come in, um, serve as a a backup to somebody like Bryce Young for – a couple of years, and then you have a chance to take over at a program like Alabama, where you've seen what obviously they've done from a passing game perspective during the course of the last couple of years. So I think it comes down to what his priorities are, whether it's uh, legitimately to come in and start right away, or if this is, as it should be, a, a long-term type play, a, a long-term type decision where he's looking for the best kind of situation for him that uh, will we'll put him in a spot where it can have the, the best college success overall and ultimately prepare him for the, the next level. But it comes down to what the priorities are here. Yeah, and and John, I, I do want to touch on, I want to go back to something that you touched on a, a minute ago about how different programs are kind of utilizing the transfer market differently during the offseason. And, and you mentioned Alabama kind of came out of spring and said, look, we've identified some weak spots where we could use some help and we're going to go out and get some guys at those positions. I think we're seeing it on a much different and, and more widespread scale being used by Brian Harson and his staff at Auburn right now. And, and we'll get into some specific examples of that in a minute. But just, just your thoughts, John, on specifically kind of what Auburn is doing. And, and does it seem like maybe this is what we're going to see when we have a coaching change in the SEC going forward is that you can kind of, in a much larger way than you've ever been able to do before, you can kind of remake the roster uh, into what you want it to be a little bit more right when you arrive. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that came to mind for me when you're talking about that is that Nick Saban's going into year 15 and Brian Harson's going into year one. I mean, there's a natural difference there in terms of, you know, Brian Harson has only recruited a few of the guys that are on that roster, whereas Nick Saban has recruited all of them. And so, you know, Alabama's going to have misses. There are going to be guys who leave and there's going to be guys who come in. But, I mean, for Harson, you know, there's maybe some similarities in terms of what he likes to do offensively. There should be at least some players that, you know, that fit what he wants to do. But, you know, there are obviously differences from him and Gus. And so, you know, there's naturally going to be that need. Um, I do think you'll see – 
you know, some turnover. I think it's a little bit different. I think it's easier at basketball, as we've talked about in the past, because you need less players and you can turn over. I mean, we're seeing some massive turnover in basketball where, you know, you're having nine guys leave the program in one offseason, which you know, is the majority of your team in basketball. So that's, I think you see a little bit more of that. Football is a little bit harder just based on scholarship limits and things like that. You know, how many guys you're taking into each class. you got to be a little bit more methodical about how you bring guys in. Um, but I think – it makes a lot of sense what I'm seeing Harson doing. And again, you know, I know we're going to get into some of the other guys that they're interested in. Um, but to me, it seems like, you know, Harson's a smart guy. He saw what he had in the spring. He saw some strengths. He saw some weaknesses. Uh, certainly they saw some things defensively that they realized they needed to, you know, improve upon, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But I think that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think Auburn's also kind of in the, the have of the have and have nots, even if in the SEC, like, you know, you come into a new program like Vanderbilt, some of your guys are getting picked away from you, you know, whereas sure, yeah. Auburn, you know, you're not losing your top players to other programs. And so that's the thing that other coaches are dealing with. You know, Auburn's in a good enough spot where they can kind of get out and choose some guys they want, whereas other programs right now with how, you know, crazy it is out there, like you're just – you're almost having to recruit your own guys to stay. And Auburn really doesn't have to do that that much. I mean, there are a lot of rumors about Tank Bigsby out there uh, right when he took over. But other than that, for the most part, you know, they haven't really been that worried about losing top guys. That's a good point, John, that 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 I I often don't have perspective on as somebody who primarily is, is covering Alabama and Auburn. I'm not used to, to seeing – uh, the schools that I cover get guys just sort of constantly picked off from them. But that's, that's a big part of this transfer market is, you know, as you said, they're the, the ultimately it's going to be about players using that freedom to put themselves in a better position. And for a lot of guys, that means going to a program that already has a lot of advantages and, 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 um, and resources that the other programs don't Matt um, let's get into the, the defensive side of of Auburn's uh shifting roster and and, and uh, I, I just want to mention real quickly we we do have some user questions and I'm going to get to those right after we finish talking about uh, th- th- some of these transfer names that we wanted to get to but hang tight we're going to get to your questions um but Matt yeah John mentioned defense has been a big area of emphasis in the transfer market uh, so far, we, we saw Auburn land the uh, the defensive lineman from UAB. A couple of other names, though, that that have uh, that either have already joined on with Auburn or will be uh, likely at some point this week. Yeah, so they they got a commitment from a, a top FCS transfer the other day by Darius Knight, a versatile kid who played safety at Southeast Missouri State, but somebody that Auburn coaches view as being versatile and flexible enough that can play safety, can play nickel, play dime, give them some additional flexibility there. Uh, two-time all-conference player, intelligent, and they were impressed with him throughout the, the course of the, the recruiting process, both in terms of his mental makeup and then that overall versatility. But at the same time, even after adding him a, as a DB the other day, uh, that hasn't stopped them from – pursuing an additional defensive back transfer. And that's something really to keep an eye on during the course of the the day tomorrow. So Donovan Kaufman is one of the top available defensive transfers at this point was at Vanderbilt. And I know Vanderbilt uh, doesn't produce on a consistent basis. uh, (laughs) But he he was in, in terms of Donovan Kaufman, one of the, the top up-and-coming players on Derek Mason's Vanderbilt team last year and was said to be maybe the, the, the top overall player on the team at the very least 
maybe maybe the the best overall defensive player on that Vanderbilt roster going into the season ultimately decides to leave, and Auburn is in a, a very strong position to add him heading into his commitment tomorrow morning. And that that's someone that the reason this is nowhere that's a potential starter for them at free safety. So I, ideally for Auburn and. The, the secondary is one of the strengths of this team, of this defense heading into the year. But ideally for them, they wanted to have Ladarius Tennyson, who's been working at the safety spot next to Smoke Monday, move back down to the nickel spot that he's played before. And adding somebody like Donovan Kaufman will put them in a position where they're able to do that. And overall, uh, if this goes as expected with him committing to Auburn, that, that secondary, which was already in good shape, is in even better shape after adding the, the combination of Bidarius Knighton the other day and then potentially Donovan Kaufman tomorrow. But uh, Auburn's been one of the, the more interesting teams from a, a transfer perspective. It's not just limited to T.J. Finley or uh, the, the defensive backfield. So they're, they're in the market for a, a transfer running back, would like to add additional depth there, like we've talked about before, behind Tank Bigsby and Sean Shivers and a, a kid to keep an eye on uh, in, in terms of a, a running back transfer would be Jordan Ingram, a, a local kid, spent last year at Central Michigan, played a, at St. Paul's in high school, ran for 1,400 yards as a senior there. And that's somebody that uh, Auburn would be one of the teams to keep an eye on for him. And, and then also in the market for additional uh, depth and talent within the front seven and a, a kid who's come up as – one to keep an eye on for an, for Auburn is Marcus Harris from, from Kansas, who led Kansas, another program similar to Vanderbilt. I, I know people uh, don't necessarily look at Kansas as wait, one of the top talent producers on a, a national level, but kid who, who led them with seven and a half tackles for a loss last year. And Auburn it is in the mix with him to, to go along with the other guys that we've talked about. Matt, you, uh, you mentioned Auburn trying to add some depth in the running back spot, Alabama may be facing a little bit of the opposite problem. And, and we've got a question from one of our commenters uh, watching today regarding that. Joey Baker wants to know, do y'all see any of Alabama's running backs transferring out due to an overcrowded backfield? What are, what are your feelings? I mean, we, we saw a lot of these guys last year, really. Um, you know, there, there was a pretty good amount of playing time that we saw for those younger backs but there's a lot of guys and and they're all you know they all came out of high school highly touted I'm sure that they get antsy sitting on the bench uh, what what are your what are either of your feelings about um, you know how that's going to shake out it's probably inevitable just like is the the case with Alabama's wide receiver room but at the same time it would be premature to, to guess any individual guys because the, the competition was still ongoing for for playing time. And I know that doesn't necessarily give the, the answer that I, I'm sure well, Joey was looking for. But look, specifically, it, Joey did ask, do you think anybody will transfer yeah, out? Which, I, I, and I, you're I, saying I, that's probably going to happen at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, the There's only one ball. It's just the nature of college football and the, yeah. the transfer market right now. But at the same time, I'll emphasize it would be premature to, to guess any individual guys because these competitions are still going on. And, and it's the um, – that the great thing from a coaching perspective. So it's great as a, a, a coach, whether it's um, Robert Gillespie with Alabama's running back room or, or Holman Wiggins with Alabama's receiver room. It's great to have as much talent as possible, but at the same time, it, it's a challenge to go along with that, keeping all of these talented guys happy and 
trying to prevent as much as possible turnover within your individual rooms. But those are competitions with the Alabama running back room, the Alabama receiver room, going to be some of the more interesting competitions to follow throughout the course of the summer and fall camp. And I'll say this. I mean, I think what Alabama does, Alabama, I think, has done a very good job historically of managing this situation. And they've obviously lost, you know, running backs over the years. Alvin Kamara is the most uh, you know, prominent one. But I think there's two things that they do. One, they'll tell you, hey, you know, less tread on the mile on the tires is a good thing for your future professional career. So, like, yeah, you might not get the ball as much as if you went to X school, but like it's actually going to benefit you long term to do that. And with that, they'll point out to guys like, hey, you know, look at a Kenyon Drake. Never really started here, but he still is now in his second contract in the NFL. And he's, you know, actually probably third contract now, I think, with the Raiders. So, you know, hey, like you can make a lot of money and still never even be a starter here. All you need is just the opportunity, you know, a couple opportunities here and there. So I agree with Matt. It's going to be hard to manage that situation. It always is. But I think Alabama has enough of a track record that they like to point back to, like, hey, we've dealt with this before. We've had extremely talented stacked running back rooms. And here's how it kind of worked out. Look at where all these guys are now. Even, I mean, if they didn't get as many carries as you you thought they would. And Najee Harris is a great example. You know, anywhere else he went, he would have been the guy probably from the get-go. Barely gets used his first two years. Just thinking about transferring. They keep him, and now he's a first-round pick. And Josh Jacobs, another great. Josh Jacobs was never the guy at Alabama. Not not once. He was never the starter. And, uh, I mean, he's he's definitely, I mean, he's, he's essentially the starter for the Raiders right now. Yeah. And something I'll add in to go along with that, not only in terms of the running back room, but the receiver room also with, with both of those situations for Alabama, that the competitions would have been interesting enough to, to follow just based on the players that saw throughout the course of the spring. And then the, the Jameson Williams of the world that added recently, but let's not forget we, with both of those situations, the, the running back room and the receiver room set to add some, some highly ranked, really talented true freshmen who will make the, the competitions for yeah. playing time even more interesting. Yeah. With the, the running back situation, I have Cam Wheaton, five, one of the, what, 20, 25 five-star recruits that Alabama had in the, this last recruiting class, but one of the, the, the top running backs nationally who I, I don't think came to Alabama just to sit on the bench for a year and, and do uh, absolutely nothing. And a kid who's talented enough that maybe could be in position to factor into that competition for playing time. And then as far as the, the receiver situation have JoJo Earl, who, who was a top 50 overall recruit nationally. I remember during the recruiting process, there was at least uh, one SEC coach who uh, referred to him as having some Jalen Waddle-like characteristics. I think we remember Jalen Waddle, obviously, an impact guy right away at Alabama. And if he flashes anything like that throughout the course of the summer and fall camp, could, could make that receiver situation that was already interesting in terms of the competition, competition for playing time even more interesting and competitive moving forward into the season. I think the big takeaway here is that Bill O'Brien has a lot of weapons to play with. Yeah. Not a, not a bad situation last year. Yeah. Not a bad situation to be stepping into. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Joey, for the question. Uh, and we do that every week. So yeah, if, if you guys ever want us, uh, we, we, we've got a show plan to talk about every week, but we're happy to, uh, to divert, and talk about whatever you guys want to talk about or answer your questions about the SEC every week. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and wrap it up for this week, but thanks to everybody uh, for watching, and thanks to Joey for your question. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform in audio form if you want to. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts uh, by searching for First Down South. And uh, you can find great coverage from these guys 
and the rest of our staff over at AL.com. <laughs> what was that? What was that head shake, John? Yeah. You're shaking his head at just the, the unique uh, triumvirate that we represent. We have that's right. A few of us to go along with bearded uh, Elijah Wood. I, I think that's the main Man. thing that John was shaking his head at. If you have any questions about Beethoven the movie, Matt Zanz would be happy to answer them. I've seen it like 50 times during the course of the last three months at this point. A favorite of Miles Zenitz. Uh, what you can't what you can't see is just just off camera on that brick wall is a poster of Charles Grodin. Matt's a huge fan, so please send in your questions about Beethoven the movie franchise, any of those, uh, and Matt will be happy to answer them. We got a nice mixture recently, so not to get too uh, off the rails, but. My, oh, we're we're way off the rails now. Yeah, Miles has branched out a little bit, so it's not just Beethoven at this point. He's actually branched out to it being a combination of Beethoven, Shrek One, and Shrek Two. He's a, he's a big Shrek. A lot of Shrek talk out there today. It's a, it's a trending topic at the moment. So I feel like we now that you bring this up, and you know, again, if anybody's still watching, you know, my apologies, but there's still really, dozens of people watching right now. We so. really haven't embraced our dad corner better. I have a lot of dad movie and TV show takes. I, I think I know that you do as well. well we see we're we're getting a bit, but we're getting into the thick of the off season, so we're going to have to lean into things like our dad movie takes at some point on First Down South. So. Uh, we'll we'll add that in as an extra category in the weeks to come, uh, where we get into our our real hot dad takes. We'll we'll get into movies. We'll get into grilling. We'll get into uh, lawn care. TV show take. If anybody has kids, Jack has recently been into the show Pinky Malinky. It's awful. Would not recommend. <laughs> but we had a real breakthrough the other day in which he, we were watching it, and he knows I don't like it, and he turns to me, he's just like. This show is kind of annoying, isn't it? I was like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. At least he knows. At least there's it, was, it was like I didn't have to lead him there. He just got there himself, and it was a great moment. That's good. It's good. That, it's good when your kid can finally be aware that uh, that he's doing something that annoys his parents. It's good. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, uh, good luck to both of you this week as you continue your journeys of, of fatherhood and reporting on the SEC. And uh, we'll be back next week for another First Down South.